Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 162. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Great to have you here, as usual, Bill. Ah, oh, it's nice, Paul. Much appreciated. <laughs> I like being here. Great. Well, thank you. Um, I'm not sure whether it's that uh, which bit you like, but um, I'm glad you enjoy it. It's fun. <laughs> That's the main thing. Likewise. That's why I'm here. Uh, now, a lot going on in the local tech world, particularly around telecommunications. So I think let's let's uh, let's chat through some of those things first. Mm-hmm. Now, Telecom New Zealand. They've had this Australian uh, business unit for a long time, AAPT. You remember how long ago that they um, they acquired? Late nineties. I was in Australia, I think, when that happened. Yeah, okay. Um, And it was part of a plan to build up infrastructure assets. I mean, remember at the time that telecom and chorus are one thing, and to some extent, the AAPT assets are the kind of thing that telecom doesn't own in New Zealand anymore. So. It, it makes sense if the company's turning into a retail telecommunications provider. I think Simon Muta wants to focus on the things that make money rather than the sort of the utility part of the business, which is part of that. And the other thing is they've been trying to get rid of AAPT forever. Um, probably best part of a decade, I would imagine. Um, they pay more than two billion for the company. And I think they got about a uh, 20% of the, the asking price when they sold it. But they still got more than anyone expected. Yeah, four hundred and fifty million yeah. uh, Aust- Australian. Uh, so uh, that'll and pay for Christmas drinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, they they had already um, sold the, um, the consumer part. the consumer yeah. part to IINet, yeah. and they've sold the rest of it uh, to um, to TPG. Yeah, and TPG is building uh, quite a. Quite a portfolio over in Australia as a general mm. telecommunications company. Mm. Mm. So uh, yeah, so that's um, that's that um, yeah two point two billion uh, Australian that they originally um, uh, spent buying it. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know that that was uh, that was a worthwhile investment in the in the uh, when you when you add up how much return and so on they've taken uh, o- over the years. No, uh, it, I guess uh, they're, they're probably pretty pretty pleased to have uh, been able to move on and and uh, leave leave this behind them. They've left. They've still got five percent of the VHA uh, mobile phone company in Australia, which is so it means there's still some presence over there. Mm. Um, but apparently that company is for sale anyway. So. Um, I don't know how that works with telecoms 5%, but I imagine if it gets bought by someone, that'll be another cash day for telecom. And that's, and, and, it, and in fact, it's, it's got to be seen in the light of what's happened in the last year or so, um, with telecom. They've, they've got rid of a few small bits and pieces out of, um, Geni, like Aldhouse. And there was a, um, um, a consulting company who's has some Italian sounding name that I can't remember right now. That was sold too earlier in the year. About eighty consultants who were part of Geni uh, mm, moved mm. on, um, and then they bought Rivera, and um, they've had they've probably lost twelve hundred staff during the course of the last twelve months. Mm, mm. Um, so, what's happened is that Simon Muta hasn't hung around getting the company into some kind of shape to be to compete really, and 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 let's face it, it's, it's about competing with Vodafone. Well, well, it is now, and uh, you know, Vodafone are um, 
you know, are such a, a, a huge uh, entity now that they've uh, they've brought you know Telstra Clear into yeah. the fold. They really cover a yeah you know, a huge number of bases. They've got all sorts of their you know infrastructure and in, in, in terms of uh, uh, you know connections to you know physical uh, copper and fiber and uh, the, uh, hi- network, the, the yeah. hybrid uh, yeah. fiber cable uh, network. So they've got actually got a lot of infrastructure in the ground. So uh, you know they have, and, and it's interesting that the two companies seem to be on slightly different trajectories about where they're going as well. Um, Vodafone is very much turning into the New Zealand arm of a multinational focused on servicing multinational clients for at the enterprise level, at the business level. And its, um, its mobile business is extraordinarily strong still. I think, I think in terms of market share, Vodafone's up at about 45, 42, 45% of the connections. But in terms of revenue, it's probably nearer 60% of Mobile revenues. Well, their average revenue per user seems to have you know, continued to, uh, to to be strong. So is um, I don't know. I don't know whether we it would be whether you could say it's improving because the uh, you know the, the the costs of connections yeah. and so on is coming down, and of course people are using more data. Uh, but the competition that we've seen, particularly from uh, from two degrees. Uh, I'm sure has actually, you know, must have led to a drop in that average revenue per user, uh, in general across the board, or certainly when you weigh up what the, the subsidies cost them that, uh, you know, that, that they include in their plans. I, I don't think, I don't think two degrees has had much of a negative impact on Vodafone's income. Um, it's, it would have, they will have lost some business, but it's yeah. more the cost of the plans that have come down. Yeah, though. I mean, yeah. I look at a lot of businesses, and uh, you know, my own included, and have seen uh, you know our average spend oh, with, yeah. with with the mobile uh, carrier, uh, which which in our case is, uh, is is you know pretty much all with Vodafone uh, in that mobile uh, sense. Uh, yeah, be half what it was going going yeah. back. Uh, you know, two years or so. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, that, and that's true. But Vodafone manages to squeeze costs out out of it too. The the thing is, is the the Vodafone and telecom are very much more um, equal size than they were, say, two years ago, um, and much and the competition's going to be quite you know quite tough between those two. But they're not necessarily heading for the same customers in each of their markets. Which is something to keep keep in mind. There are, there are places where they go, they really do go head to head. I mean, they're going head to head for, example, selling high speed broadband. Um, but in general, they're, in, in some of their markets, they're not head to head. But anyway, the thing is, telecom has actually been through a, a huge transformation since um, getting rid of, well, actually getting rid of chorus isn't quite the right way of putting it. <laughs> since the demerger with chorus. Sure. Um, and they really have evolved into a very retail focused um, telco. Mm-hmm. Now, um, one of the other things in the telecommunication space that is fascinating uh, is the emergence of two degrees. Yeah. And they're, you know, they've been quite innovative in some of their, uh, some of their offerings into the market. And the latest one, which, uh, we became aware of sort of late last week. And, um, you know, there was a lot of discussion over the weekend. Uh, actually the Geek Zone forums were, uh, you know, were, 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 were full of, um, uh, comment really around these new plans that, uh, have been, have been launched by, uh, by two degrees. 
the concept of being able to uh, share everything. Now, Makes sense. Well, it, it, it's it's quite unique. So normally in the past, when you've had some sort of, uh, and and I mean we haven't seen too many of these plans to be uh, to be fair, uh, but um, you know if you've had a plan where you can, you know maybe you can share an, a number of minutes or you can share a block of data, that sort of makes some sense. But these plans are different in that you can buy an unlimited calling plan, and then for tw- uh, I think it's twenty dollars at the moment, they're going to bump it up to uh, twenty five. Uh, dollars once the initial uh, uh, period is over. For twenty dollars, you can add somebody else on who also actually gets uh, unlimited uh, unlimited calling. W- you know, within that plan, and and so it's not splitting up a block of a thousand minutes you've bought and and giving everyone five hundred. Actually, uh, yeah, for twenty dollars, the other user actually gets unlimited uh, unlimited calls. That's pretty impressive. Except yeah, it is, it is. But look, calls, calls, or as the industry calls them, voice minutes, are going the way of texts. And that is, is there, you know, these days you pretty much get unlimited texts on any mobile plan. And if you don't get unlimited, you get more than anyone's going to use. And I don't know if it's happening in New Zealand, but worldwide, the number of text messages being sent is actually starting to decline on a per user basis anyway. Sure. And, and I mean, there's various technologies that are. Yeah, obviously facilitating that, and and I guess it, with, with calling, that's your point that you're coming to in terms yeah. of that the, the calling number or the minutes that we do uh, are dropping off, and it's starting to become commoditized, and it's it's going to disappear. And in at some point, the phone companies are going to sell you a pipe with so much data a month, and maybe unlimited data but it'll be it'll be a data pipe with x amount of data and calls and texts will be just bundled into that at that's no extra free. cost and that's sort of what it looks like now with with what two degrees are doing yeah. with these plans so uh just just a quick uh a quick run through so the basic uh, share everything plan is 69 dollars and it gives unlimited uh calls and and text there are there are some um uh, terms and conditions are, are around that. I don't think you can hook it up to a, um, you know, put that SIM card into a computer and have it auto dialing, uh, New Zealand, uh, 24 seven, uh, or sending unlimited, uh, yeah, automated text. But, you know, in terms of an individual, uh, user using it, uh, and then, yeah, for $20, you can add on up to, uh, uh, up to four extra people. So, uh, if you, if we add that up, uh, you're talking for a hundred and hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, you could have um, four people with unlimited calling, and then you can choose whether or not to share the one and a half gigs worth of data that comes with that uh, sixty-nine dollar share everything plan yeah. with everyone, or you can just share, uh, for instance, the unlimited calls and text, and then buy extra data on a uh, on a per. On a per user basis, but that's where the money is in that plan. Is that you don't get a huge amount of, of, of data for your um, for your hundred and fifty hundred and fifty dollars a month. I mean, one point five gig sounds a lot, but you can chew through that in a day if you're hooking up a, a, a laptop to a to a mobile phone. And that's um, it's it's like I said, you're, it's moving to a point where you're actually paying for the data and the the voice and text is. It's not quite free yet, but it's getting there, and, it, and it's move, we're moving towards that model. Um, the other thing that struck me when I saw that release from Two Degrees is they must have some pretty good back-end systems to look after that because 
I remember from years of reporting on technology, particularly reporting on enterprise computing and so on, mm. just how even simple mobile billing systems um, can cost mobile phone companies a fortune. Now, obviously, enterprise computing costs have changed and there's cloud and there's all kinds of dynamics that have changed there. Sure. But still, that seems to be quite a complex thing to manage at the billing level. Yeah, well, I think one of the advantages that uh, two degrees probably have is that they didn't have a whole lot of legacy. They're new into the market. Yeah. Uh, they've come in with some newer technology. They don't have this big challenge that we've seen others go through where they have to leap from one old system to a new system and maybe keep the old system running for years to overlap because of some complexities and so on. So they've got a new platform uh, and you know they've managed to uh, yeah they've managed to get it to do and be well to be to be flexible for them to come up with these new sorts of things, which uh, yeah sometimes uh, can be a real challenge from that that perspective. I think I think what it's going to do is it's going to shake up the small business um, mobile market, which at the moment still seems to be dominated by Vodafone. Sure, there's an interesting thing though around these prices. So if you're one user buying a buying um, uh, paying $69 for unlimited calls and text uh, to New Zealand and Australia, I'll, I'll, I'll add, uh, actually sounds like pretty good value when that includes one and a half gigs worth of data. Um, $69, one person, not bad. But if you spread that out across uh, four, you're talking just over $37 per uh, per yeah. user to get unlimited calling. It was oh. It was only, I mean, I think the first plan that we had that really gave you that unlimited calling uh, was you know last year, and that was two degrees that brought it into the market, and it was a hundred and uh, well you know over a hundred dollars for that particular plan, and you know now we're uh, we're talking about being able to get uh, the unlimited calls and uh, uh, text for you know between thirty seven and sixty nine dollars depending on how many users you've got, but you've got that limit of being able to add four, so a total of five users yeah. that can uh, use this. Yeah, but there's a point. I think there's a point that has been overlooked by anyone who's looked at this, and that is is this is now cheaper than getting a landline. It's cheaper than the monthly rental for a landline, which only gives you unlimited calling within your you know, your local calling zone. That's right, and, and you've and, got and, to pay uh, for mobile calls yeah, on top, right? Yeah, but that that local that local landline that you pay forty five whatever dollars it is a month to telecom, it's on a technology which has been in the ground for more than a hundred years now. So that you know, and which in other words, it's been paid back. So it tells you, it basically tells you what a bad deal that is. Well, this is interesting, and that's a, I mean, it's a good point when you look at look at the people that are paying for. A landline, yeah. and then they're paying for some sort of prepaid mobile. Maybe they don't use it a lot because they're scared about how expensive it is. Uh, at these sort of prices, that uh, you know, it starts to come into that realm where uh, uh, you know, where where those that have been, yeah, you know, that have stayed clear of mobile technology because they thought it's just a bit too expensive, uh, yeah, could dump their landline and uh, and come on board. And yeah, potentially in some cases it uh, it, it will be less. And it's people who on. ration their use of mobile as well because they're mm. worried it's the bill will run out of control as well. Mm. Mm. So um, so I th- I think it actually changes more than just the mobile market. Well, I I'll be interested to see what the uptake of this is, and of course we won't we won't know any time soon. We haven't heard really for some time from two degrees. 
how many customers they've got. You know, we had that, uh, we had the announcement, uh, um, going, going back, um, before, uh, Eric Hertz passed away, uh, where they'd hit the million yeah. customers. Um, but we ha- I don't think there've been any, have there been any announcements since then? No, but the Commerce Commission put out a report, um, earlier this year, which, had a um, estimated numbers in the mobile market, and I can't remember off the top of my head what they were. I do remember that Two Degrees was put at twenty percent of the market, mm, mm, um, mm. and Vodafone I think was forty three, and Telecom thirty seven. And if I've got those numbers right, I think I deserve a prize because that's pulled out of my <laughs> out of my um, ailing memory banks. Uh, but I can't remember what the um, absolute numbers of users were. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, yeah, it was back in early early August when we got the um, what was it? Early August that we got the one million uh, customers. No, that sounds far too uh, far too recent. Yeah, um, it was, it was, but it's the time. Uh, I think it was August the year before. Time uh, flies by. That that sounds yeah, that sounds yeah. better. August August last year. Yeah. Um, so. And and look at yeah, looking at their growth because they were up to uh, nine supposedly uh, nine hundred and fifty thousand in June last year. Uh, so it's it sort of slowed down. So I wouldn't wouldn't be at all uh, surprised if that's um, um, yeah, it's getting harder for them now to yeah. start acquiring new customers. Of course, the fact that they've just signed that deal with uh, with Apple, and on Friday they launch uh, the iPhone. Uh, 5s, the 5c, and I think the uh, what's the other one they've got, the 4s. Uh, so they're going to have those products available. That probably gives them a, you know, a, a better opportunity of penetrating the business market, and you know because there are people that that yeah they won't uh, they won't have a connection unless they can get the relevant free yeah. phones uh, with with their sign up. And it's still the phone to get. The um, the other thing um, the other thing I think need to just um, run over with um, two degrees. How do they reach their customers? I mean, I don't watch broadcast TV anymore. Do they still advertise heavily on television? Uh, they do. Uh, I guess the point is their TV ads are um, yeah, usually pretty pretty good and pretty entertaining. Uh, but, of course, those that do watch TV tend to skip past, you know, yeah. ads, uh, you know, um, yeah, maybe more and more often. And those that don't have an ability to skip past uh, the ads... Um, you know that segment, uh, people with less technology yeah. in their home, probably a smaller a smaller yeah. budget uh, to to you know to uh, to spend. And what two degrees you know probably needs to do now is to be you know starting to target the well, higher end well, that's, uh, customers. That's, How that's do they get those make. big business customers on? How do they get the individual users that don't mind you know spending hundred dollars uh, a month? How, how do they reach me? I I, I see. Telecom advertising and Vodafone advertising. As I try, get around town, I see it in you know, the occasional print things that I still read, um, but I don't see two degrees in places I go. Mm. Well, yeah, that's um, that's interesting, isn't it? And maybe that's because they made a point of of targeting, uh, yeah, particular segments. But in terms of being uh, being profitable, they need to move up the the uh, yeah the value the value chain, yeah. as it were. Um, and, and deliver to us, I guess, to a, at that, that higher end, yeah. um, side of things. So, yeah, but, uh, it'll be fascinating to, um, 
to know some of their uh, some of their internal figures on uh, on where they where they do well and uh, and where they don't. But um, full credit to them for doing some good good stuff here anyway with these new plans. Uh, no no doubt if these have uh, have much of an impact on the rest of the market, uh, we or or maybe before they have any impact, we'll see. Uh, telecom and and Vodafone uh, move in with some uh, some competitive offerings, uh, much like what we've done, what we've seen in that uh, uh, yeah discount prepay space with those monthly uh, monthly nineteen dollar plans and the uh, the sixteen dollar plan from uh, from Skinny. That's an extremely competitive space. Uh, and at the moment, they're uh, I mean they've doubled the amount of data they're giving away. So for uh, sixteen or, or nineteen dollars, depending on on who you're with, you can get what is it a gigabyte worth of uh, worth of data on a prepaid plan and a hundred and three hours worth of phone calls and uh, sport like that on my plan and, <laughs> a, and, a, and a big bunch of texts uh, for uh, uh, for a, yeah a pretty small figure in the in the scheme of things. Uh, so now those pla- those are due to I think run out at the end of January, but it'd be fascinating whether any of those things keep going. Now uh, one other. Uh, telecommunications related topic which I think people will be interested uh, in is uh, we've seen the launch uh, finally and this is this has been talked about for a long time uh, I know they've had this in the US and in, in various forms uh, as well but it's a, uh, a national database of uh, effectively of stolen stolen handsets yeah about time but it's a great it's a great it's a great step it's, um, I'm really pleased to see it um, so what's the benefit for consumers? It's it's all about blacklisting those stolen phones, isn't it? So yeah. uh, if someone uh, pickpockets you or beats you up on the street and uh, and runs off with your phone, they won't be able to do a, a, a whole lot with it uh, as soon as you get it blacklisted other than uh, pop it on eBay and sell it to somebody in another country. Yeah, but I think even that is – oh, in another country is easy. I would mm. say even in New Zealand would be difficult. So, so it's gonna it's gonna stop that sort of uh, yeah reselling of uh, uh, of of stolen and lost phones locally. Uh, but until we get a global database, uh, which I imagine would be would be sometime off if ever, uh, then you wouldn't be able to uh, completely shut this thing down. And I imagine. Uh, there would be some uh, some markets that just wouldn't participate. Even if we had an international plan going, say, between New Zealand and Australia and, and other countries, there'll be there'd still be some markets that would probably take advantage of a lot of uh, phones in North Korea. Of it. Yeah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. So, uh, yeah, I bet they have a good network. Um, but um, this this has been an, an initiative, I think, that the um, telecommunications, um, the TCF, the Telecommunications Carriers Forum, have. Uh, um, you know, been involved in uh, bringing the industry together um, on that. They've certainly been commenting about it enough if they're actually behind it. But good to see Telecom, Vodafone, and Two Degrees, uh, yeah, doing something together anyway. It's it's great. It's great to see this happen, and it's it's um, it's going to stop people getting beaten up for their phones. I think. Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, this that is a the you know. It's a very expensive item for people to be carrying around. If they're carrying around a new iPhone, uh, you know, a, a high-end smartphone from from any vendor, that can be a you know, a thousand dollar a thousand dollar item. And um, for a lot of people, it's more than it's well over a week's worth wages. Mm, week's mm, mm. So uh, no, good stuff. Now the other thing we we heard uh, we didn't get a chance to chat about this last week, but. Um, 
ultra-fast broadband. The um, the uptake has um, has taken an upward uh, an upward turn, and we're really starting to see this um, this grow locally. Uh, so yeah, the the fibre network that's being uh, being well, the government's behind, sort of getting getting rolled out, uh, is uh, yeah we're start, starting to see. Um, customers coming on board. What do you think we've seen that change? Is this to do with telecom and Vodafone Vodafone coming into the market over the last few months? I think it's got a lot to do with that. I think also there's a a kind of network effect with um, as as much with fibre as there was with... Do you remember when faxes first came along? If you were the first person to buy a fax, you didn't have anyone to send a fax to. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't much use, right? but But soon as a critical mass of people had faxes... It became something you had to have to communicate to do business communications. Well, the same kind of thing applies to video conferencing and unified comms and so on. Mm-hmm. Is that businesses will find that once their suppliers get um, UFB and can start doing wizzy stuff, then they might need it. Or once their customers get it, you know, it's, yeah. it, there's a there's a kind of snowballing effect. Some of the smaller LFCs, I forget which one it is, it might be North Power, up to about 7% um, uptake across their network. Yeah, I think in, uh, in Whangarei, because yeah. they've been able to roll out, you know, the whole network and, you know, and, 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 you know, lickety split, they've done yeah. it very, very quickly. Well, they had, they had most of the ground start. You with. know, they were well, yeah. they were well prepared to get underway. Uh, and they, you know, they've, I guess, haven't had a too, um, spread out audience no. to communicate with. Um, maybe that's, uh, that, that's helped them. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, I think those that are in, in Whangarei and Northland, um, that have got access to it, um, uh, yeah, people will be talking to each other and when everyone can get it, there's likely to be a lot more conversations. Yeah. Whereas we look at a, a city the size of Auckland, uh, or, or any of the big, big cities around the country, um, it's a huge job to roll out ultra fast broadband and get that, uh, yeah, fiber optic, uh, cable. Into the ground across the city, and, and it, uh, in most t- cases, um, you know, is a multi-year project. My house is still not on the map, so three years out, I still won't get it, and um, or at least on the current current maps, I won't. Mm. The um, and I think that's that's uh, that's also an issue is that the um, um, the rollout might not be going. Well, the rollout itself is going quite fast, but the actual getting someone connected once the fiber's gone past. It's actually still quite slow, and I've, you hear stories of people waiting weeks to get a connection. Yeah, I think in the more you know, in the very simple uh, yeah cases, I, I you know I don't think it's as bad. But certainly where you've got any uh, sort of complexity, yeah. then that adds a whole lot of extra work into the process. So if it's a, you know, a business premises uh, and there's got to be some sort of resource consent or, or um, you know paperwork to be signed off by building owners, oh, and, 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 and where are you going to get into the building? Sort of back sections where you've got to go past three or four other people's property with a cable and they've got to get permission. Rules and, and so on around yeah, that, yeah. right? Um, so that can be pretty frustrating if you're in if you're in that uh, yeah. boat. But I guess uh, once it's done, it's done, right? This is a yeah. sort of a once in a lifetime type uh, type thing. Once the uh, once the fiber optic is into your premises, then uh, you should be sorted. I, I reckon though that the the whole project's starting to get some momentum. I mean, well, we won't talk tonight about the political stuff that's going on around the the build, but that aside, um, the project itself is getting momentum. It's it's getting um, taken up. It's making a real difference to a lot of small businesses. They're not doing, from what I see, they're not doing dramatic 
um, you know, dramatically exciting applications with things other than video. Um, but it's, it is starting to penetrate small businesses and it is starting to, they are starting to see productivity gains and so on. So Absolutely. I well, and there, there, I think, um, yeah, each business will be different yeah. in terms of the things. But, you know, you and I were talking earlier about, uh, you know, PABX, it's traditional phone systems that a business will have. Yeah. And, you know, the need to have this, um, um, yeah, basically a mini phone exchange within your premises. And when you've got ultra fast broadband, well, that sort of stuff can happen in the yeah. in the cloud. Uh, it's much much easier to do that, and you can have a completely cloud delivered uh, uh, solution. And you know, not only does it bring down your cost, but it increases the sort of capabilities you can have, and you can you know go and work from uh, you know all sorts of locations, yeah. pick up your phone and 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 take it with you. Um, the video conferencing you talk about, you know, I mean, some of these things. Uh, once we get used to those, we'll get really used to them and we'll, we'll wonder how we operated without them. But it does take a little while for the market to mature for all of those other auxiliary offerings to become, uh, broadly available and to, you know, yeah. fit perfectly within the New Zealand context. And then there's the cloud. <laughs> and, and I mean, the, uh, the migration of, um, uh, yeah, data that's traditionally set on people's local servers and systems and so on to the cloud, uh, you know, that, that just continues, but having ultra fast broadband will certainly, you know, accelerate a lot of those situations and, and make use cases that didn't really add up before, uh, be things that actually really work with, yeah. with the cloud. And, uh, you know, we, we're seeing situations where, uh, uh, yeah, businesses that have wanted to have their, you know, their entire systems duplicated, uh, and it's been very, very expensive to do that in the past. Can now, with some of the newer software and ultra fast broadband, really brings down the cost of doing oh, that. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah. So, really, lots going on in the um, in the world of telecommunications. Now, a few products that um, that have been uh, coming coming through. There's a lot that we've looked at throughout the year, um, but last week uh, HP sort of put on a little bit of a presentation and showed off some of their uh, some of their newest products that are just starting to hit the market, um, particularly in the consumer uh, space. Um, which one sort of stood out to you, Bill? Uh, there were three things that caught my eye. There was a um, a laptop with I've forgotten the name of the proprietary technology that was in that laptop. Now the um, the um, so this this is the um, the the new Ultrabook from HP. Yeah, yeah. Um, Touchscreen uh, based. Yeah, they've got it because they've got a number of different products sort of. Ca- Coming in there, they've got one which is uh, similar and yeah has some similarities in some way to the um, ASUS T100 that we've talked about, which is sort of two in one yeah. uh, splits out to tablet and and snaps together to be a laptop, um, and also the new um, Spectra um, Ultrabook. Was that the um, that w- that was the one? Yeah, um, there was the the. Um <sighs> I can't remember the name of the thing. The the tablet, the seven inch tablet, the um, Android tablet. Oh, the um, yeah, we were chatting about that earlier. The yeah. the Slate Extreme. That's so right, yeah. earlier in the year, we had that uh, that low end yeah. Android um, Slate HP Slate. They called it. I think came into the market two hundred and twenty nine dollars, and that's yeah. available now. I think the price has even dropped. Uh, Further, but the extreme is sort of a higher end offering for them, right? Yeah. I think coming out at three four nine. Yeah, what it is is it's a it's a. In effect, it's a low-end slate with a, or a low-end seven-inch tablet, but with a, a real brand, you know, an HP brand, a brand that people will recognise, be comfortable with. 
Um, and it's, it's in that sort of budget, budget tablet space, but just. Yeah, 349. Yeah. So, I mean, they've really upped the specs from the yeah. original, um, Slate 7, which was, which was a real budget device at that 229 price point. Um, so they've bumped it up from a performance perspective. Um, yes, the speakers and so on. And they've added a stylus in there as well. So you've got a, um, a, a pretty nice device there. Yeah. And it's the sort of price where, you know, 340, it's not quite throwaway, but it's not going to hurt you if it breaks. No, no. It's, um, yeah, it's not crazy money, is yeah. it? Um, n- now also the HP, um, so there was the, um, HP Spectra Ultrabook. Um, that's uh, actually similar to the um, um, last generation Ultrabook I'm using here in terms of uh, size and uh, and styling. Uh, 13 uh, point three inch um, full HD display, but being this new generation of of Ultrabook to carry that Ultrabook name, uh, it has to have a touch screen. So we're going to yeah. see a lot more of these. But yeah. this is uh, this is one of the new ones coming through. And uh, nine hours worth of battery life for a, a nice, pretty stylish, uh, thin and light Ultrabook, sort of you know aimed at the at the at the higher end from a uh, from a consumer perspective. Yeah. Um, and and I mean some of the specs reflect that, but it's it's launching in New Zealand market at uh, uh, three thousand dollars retail, so it very much is at the at the top uh, at the top end. But it does fit within the consumer product space from. Uh, from HP, I, I'm a bit surprised about that pricing. To be yeah. uh, to be fair, it seems like a big uh, leap from their previous generation. Uh, sure, it's got your super fast uh, drive and its SSD and so on, uh, but it it does seem to be um, that's a MacBook Pro price, and it's not and it's not a 13.3 no. inch MacBook Pro price. You're talking the the uh, um, the the, uh, the f- 15 yeah. um, uh, inch, so. Yeah, I, that that bit sort of it did really surprise me actually about HP's pricing because I think the last generation uh, it didn't have some of those features and it wasn't uh, probably quite as light, but not well, actually very similar. Um, certainly didn't have the battery life, but that comes from the new um, fourth generation, uh, you know, Core i five. Um, yeah, it just seems too much to me. But hey, we'll we'll see. I'm sure the price will come down in time as well. Yeah, certainly if they're not selling the uh, the the numbers, but it seems to me like a little bit of profit taking there. Well, yeah, and um, HP need that at the moment. Yeah. But the um, the other thing that really impressed me at the launch was the all in one, which could be um, tipped over, so it's almost like a tabletop. Um, and it's quite interesting because you can type on it. You know, type on the um, the screen instead of a keyboard. It's. I thought that was quite a interesting take on the all in one. Yeah, that, yeah. No, I did quite like that. I mean, we're seeing more of these all in all in one sort of systems, which is a you know a, a touch screen, you know, a large touch screen yeah. monitor. Uh, you know, they've they've varied from the sort of twenty one um, twenty one and a half inch um, up to yeah twenty seven or so, and I think they're coming out with a bigger one. Yeah. Uh, possibly as well. Is there a 32 inch uh, coming through? But definitely, definitely the uh, uh, a, a 27 uh, coming coming in there. So yeah, quite quite nice. But that uh, that ability to actually fold that screen uh, down so it's almost on the uh, on the flat is yeah. is interesting. Uh, in terms of whether it's going to get a lot of use like that, it's interesting to have that, well, that option I, I, and that capability. I stood at that 
and was typing on the virtual keyboard that you can get going in uh, on Windows 8. And I was thinking, this is actually, it's a different kind of computing. It's actually, it actually works. I mean, you probably would do your back end if you stood there typing on that all day. Oh, for sure. But you know what I thought? I thought there's some applications, some sort of touch applications, which that, in, which that makes practical that wouldn't before be the case. I'll give you an example. Um, a keyboard, a musical keyboard. You could put a musical keyboard on that and have, you know, you could actually play it like a keyboard. Um, whereas, you know, the, normally you see a musical keyboard on screen and it's kind of tiny and a bit grotty and not really all that great. And when the screen's vertical, it, yeah. uh, it doesn't, doesn't quite work. Kind so of loses something, doesn't yeah. it? So there's, there's, there's actually applications that would suit that format that don't really work on other, other things. Can't see a huge uptake for it though. No, it's a gimmicky thing. It's a nice to have. But I think those that are wanting something a little bit different, um, and, you know, maybe they're wanting something that'll, you know, have multiple uses. I mean, with yeah. these bigger screens, you use them maybe for, you know, for, yeah. for watching a lot of video on. Uh, the touch screen is good for, you know, games and, and various sort of apps. Um, you know, there's a situation where maybe you want a, uh, a PC that you can watch stuff on. Uh, you know, maybe on a, on a, you know, on a, on a, uh, counter or a bench at home. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's, uh, visible and usable from the counter, but maybe you can see it while you're, uh, cooking or doing something in the but, kitchen you know, as well. Good on HP for innovating. And, uh, mind you, I have to say that after what we've heard about Spectre, I'm frightened to ask what the price of it is. Yeah, I need to check. I need to check the prices on the uh, on on the diff, on the different models. I think if you um, have to ask, you can't afford. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is an era. You know, where where Samsung. Um, yeah, last year we saw some of their new products coming coming in, uh, and and HP as well. Um, okay, so HP MV Recline Touch Smart All in One starts at. Uh, Twenty three hundred dollars uh, as the as the retail, um, and there's a, um, a, a Beats Audio uh, edition uh, at the same price, and then uh, there's the I think the the top model um, or uh, uh, there's a few different models, uh, but there's another one that kicks off at uh, you know twenty five hundred dollars. So um, it's not too bad. Yeah, actually. yeah. So. It's it's pricey, but it's not uh, yeah it's not necessarily over the top. And there's some cool little uh, you know little things in there like they've got um, uh, near field communications capability, so you can uh, uh, you know tap a um, uh, tap a device in uh, you know, like a smartphone or or a camera potentially to be uh, you know sharing um, um, photos and so on yeah. just with a um, with a, with a tap. So yeah, the, some of, some of those um, things stand out, and I mean it'll take a little bit of time to see uh, yeah what are the particular use cases for that technology. But there was I saw that NFC logo and spot on the on yeah, the base. I saw that. So, I, thought, um, I thought point yeah. of sale actually. Yeah, could be. Yeah, it could be useful in a retail environment. All those these these are. Uh, more consumer-oriented yeah, um, systems, but I, I'm sure we'll see use cases pop up in uh, in all sorts of uh, directions. Well, I think that that brings us uh, to the end this week, Bill. I think um, it does. There's, there's a chunk more we're, we're going to catch up on over the next couple of weeks in terms of just looking back on some of the best devices of the year and uh, some of the things that we'll be, uh, I guess, putting online on our uh, um, yeah Christmas sort of um, 
gift guide or whatever you want to call it. We're going to have uh, you know a, a list of some of the things. If you're looking out there wondering what to do at the end of the year, you've got some spare uh, money burning a hole in your uh, in your pocket or whatever the new electronic term is for that. If you haven't bought the stuff already, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you should you should buy it the day it comes out, right, Bill? Uh, no, no, no. But you buy it when you need it. Christmas, you know, these a lot of these things are tools. Um, having said that, guess what I buy my family? <laughs> exactly. This time of year, I mean, there is a lot of technology bought. And, uh, yeah. and hey, I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, it helps keep a lot of people in the retail space employed. So, uh, um, you know, we must do our part, mustn't yeah. we? <laughs> All right. Now, Bill, uh, your content we can find online. Where are the where are the places that we can find your uh, your journalism? Digitalwithoutana.co.nz is my home site these days. There is a BillBennett.co.nz still going. Um, you'll find it on Scoop. You'll find it on Geek Zone, and you can see my other stuff all over the shop. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> well. Uh, Keep up the good work reporting on what's uh, what's happening in the in the technology world around New Zealand. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll continue to look out for that. Um, you can also uh, track you down on Twitter. You're Bill Bennett NZ, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you can track me down on uh, on Twitter, Paul Spain, and uh, across the other social networks. And uh, you can find uh, NZ Tech Podcast at nztechpodcast.com uh, and across Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter and so on as well. So um, well worth keeping connected with us on those channels, particularly over the um, um, over this time of year. There'll be bits and pieces of news that uh, that we'll share through those channels uh, that may or may not you know line up with podcasts. We'll be taking a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a hiatus uh, or hiatus. Um, in, in, in between uh, Christmas and uh, then kicking back in pretty early in uh, in January with the Consumer Electronics Show, and we'll be reporting in from uh, from Las Vegas with uh, uh, with that. But of course, there'll be Boxing Day sales and 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 the like, and so we'll be uh, uh, sharing if we come across any uh, anything we particularly recommend you get your hands on. So that's us. Thanks everyone for listening in. Catch you next week. See ya.